traveled across borders and across industries um, with everybody from creatives to um, small business owners to you know Hollywood projects. But my favorite is is creatives and actually entrepreneurs are becoming super exciting too because um, I'm learning 80 to 90. I've been doing a lot of podcasts and, and panels and TV with an entrepreneur audience, and I'm learning that 80 to 90 percent of entrepreneurs don't have an idea of how to get into media, like not advertising, but being quoted in the media, being, um, you know, the expert source. And so that's what I do. Basically, I elevate people. I like to say elevate and celebrate, find amazing people and what they're doing uh, and bring them to the next level. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored, the entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I am live on the line with Tracy Lamori. Tracy, are you there? I am here. Hello, hello. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Tracy. So I know you're coming in from Toronto. For those of you who have been following along with our podcast, my family is up in Maine right now um, for our travels and, uh, you know, getting to see the Maine coast, which is cool. We got to have our first bit of lobster, Maine lobster, which to me I didn't really like, but my wife said it was really good, so... Um, anyways, Tracy, what I want to do real quick is do a quick introduction of who you are for our audience who doesn't know you, and then we'll dive into your story. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tracy Lamori is a high profile international award-winning publicist and the founder and managing director of Lamori Media, um, a universal women's network, 2020 woman of inspiration winner for the women in media award and author of the upcoming book, Get Repped. Build your brand with effective public and media relations. So with that sort of brief introduction, Tracy, why don't you tell us what it is you're known for? Um, what's your business like? Who do you serve? What do you do for them? So yeah, as you said, international award-winning publicist, which means I work across borders and across industries um, with everybody from creatives to um, small business owners to you know Hollywood projects. But my favorite is is creatives and actually entrepreneurs are becoming super exciting too because um i'm learning 80 to 90 i've been doing a lot of podcasts and, and panels and tv with an entrepreneur audience and i'm learning that 80 to 90 percent of entrepreneurs don't have an idea of how to get into media like not advertising but being quoted in the media being um you know the expert source and so that's what i do is make people uh, stars or make people experts. Basically, one example is the other day or three three months ago, I was hired by a personal chef in Colorado who'd had no media attention. Did great work, works going well, but she had no media attention. I'm like, well, why aren't you getting quoted as an expert? The next day, literally the day after she hired me, I found her an audition for uh, a, a television show that was looking for dynamic chefs, and they're doing a new a new series around a new chef. Anyway, we just found out today after like a month of negotiation that they want to, it's 90% sure 
she's going to be a TV star chef all of a sudden. So I take her expertise, introduce them to the right people, and then all of a sudden, boom. So radio, television, newspapers, award shows. Basically, I elevate people. I like to say elevate and celebrate, find amazing people and what they're doing, uh, and bring them to the next level. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. And yes. my first my first question for you is, I know the, the modern entrepreneur has been told by so many marketing specialists that traditional media is dying and get into online marketing and stuff like that. As someone who's on the other side working on getting people into traditional media, what do you have to say about that? Well, I definitely do both. I mean, for me, like, you know, podcasts are a new, burn. it's radio, it's television, it's newspaper. And while it's true that uh, like for they're right in one way. For example, a lot of people are stuck on print. Like if you, if you say, "Hey, I'm going to get you in Rolling Stone magazine," tell you or, 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 or a story about Rolling Stone. You know, a cover of the Rolling Stone. Um, so I got a client into, or we got a client into Rolling Stone magazine. And when we asked, "Well, are they going to be in the print?" They said, "Well, actually, it's not going to be in the print edition. They're going to be in the online edition." But don't be <laughs> upset because the print edition. I don't remember the exact numbers now. So these aren't. You know, but they were saying something like the print edition is under a million, like you're talking about 700,000 or something. And the online edition, you know, you get 7 million views. So in that sense, they're they're right. The traditional, a lot of us older people, oh, I want to be in the magazine, you know, and hold it in my hands or yeah. be on television. And in a lot of ways, and that some people think that, you know, the old school thinks that's the, the highest level. When, and then I get them on a podcast and they're like, oh, what about TV? And I'm like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, we're doing that too. But a podcast that has 20 viewers today could have 10,000 viewers you know, next week because people go back to the original ones where um, television, even if it's got a million viewers, it's on yeah. and it's over. And unless you know how to, um, to use that, to build on that media that you got, it's just sort of flashed up hand. But a lot of the online stuff continues. So I utilize both television, radio, everything. And that is never going to be gone because as long as it exists, it has that cachet and it has television being harder to get into, you know, than your blog yeah. it has extra cachet. So as long as they exist, they're never going to be gone, you know, but, but absolutely we use all new media sources as well. And I use podcasts as aggressively as I do, you know, television and radio in service to my clients and also myself, I've built my own brand in the age of COVID, you know, taking a little, there's no breaks, but as I've been sitting here, instead of traveling, I've been setting my voice internationally. And in eight months, I've done literally a hundred and probably more now, 180 plus podcasts around the world from Dubai to India, Toronto to Los Angeles, to just speaking all about, you know, entrepreneurs and all this stuff. So, um, I'm seeing the the huge value in the marketing and the connecting and the networking with the new media, but absolutely traditional media still retains its cachet. And especially, you know, if you're quoted in Rolling Stone, if you're quoted on NBC, if you're on in the New York Times, that is, you know, that's never going to, as long as they exist, yeah. those are going to be cachet. Yeah. And the same kind of thing that's with uh, writing writing a book, right? You know, anyone can write a book and self-publish it nowadays. But when you come into the office with a book that you've got written and published and printed, you still get that same like, wow, he's an author kind of um, feel. So, you know, there, there's still a lot of a lot of uh, respect for getting on TV, getting on radio, getting, you know, into the traditional really, media. We're all just, I think in some ways now it's all just become a platform. Like, you know, TV is just another platform now. So there's both ways. It's, it's certainly that media stuff 
is um, the mainstream media, like I said, it absolutely has a cachet that will never, you cannot buy your way into those things. So those people have to understand. It's not like, you know, online, you can't buy your way into the New York Times other than a New York Times ad. You can't buy your way as a source. You can't buy, come and interview me as a doctor in your news story. That's not, you know, so that's that credibility of being that expert source, that third party credibility um, that elevates you above your peers and, and, and uh, you know, attracts customers to you. And also the really interesting thing that people need to understand about PR too is, um, and I hate the term PR because really I like to rather talk about elevating and celebrating because PR almost sounds like clinical trying to correct uh, um, a reputation or do so, you know, yeah. and you're not, you know, like we're talking more about just shining a light and celebrating things. Look at what's going on over here. And um, businesses, you know, 80 90% of businesses aren't thinking of that. They're thinking about branding, they're thinking about advertising, but they don't really understand that there's a huge difference. The editorial aspect versus that advertorial is everything in terms of, you know, getting the attention of the newsroom. And the way that you think when you're talking about advertising is the opposite of the way you have to approach a newsroom or a podcaster or, or a, you know, media. And that's, it's all the same. You have to understand your message, understand their audience, what value yeah. you bring to their audience, whether that's the, you know, whether we're talking about Oprah, the New York times, big, you know, NBC, your show, it's all about, you know, when you pitch it, it's about their audience. It's not about, Hey, I'm awesome. Come talk about my brand. It's like when I pitch myself to a podcast, I don't say international award-winning publicist and that's it because, you know, great. I say international award-winning publicist and she can speak to uh, people across industries about how they can elevate their their brand or how they can catapult to the top of any industry using media attention. So you're talking about what value you can give their audience. And that's how you get heard when it comes to, you know, breaking media as opposed to, and it, it sounds obvious, but really, from an entrepreneur point of mind, we're, we're forever training entrepreneurs and even, you know, even ourselves as publicists. It looks like a great message. And, oh, no, wait a minute. But pull it all back. Wait a minute. At, at, at heart, it's really a company saying something awesome about themselves. Do you know what I mean? That's not a, that's even we had a situation and I teach this stuff. But I had a situation where I wrote a press release for a company that was doing a charitable thing where they had they were giving something out to like thousands of schools across the UK. It was a really good COVID story. It actually was a news worthy story but when and didn't get any play and when even though I teach this stuff when I re re reread it and kind of broke it all down on myself again I was like yeah at heart that's literally just a, a press release about a company saying look at us doing a good thing which is what yeah, <laughs> not a new story it's funny because we we talk about that all, all the time in copywriting right that it's all about the uh um it's all about what's in it for the person who's reading what's in it for the person who's listening right um and that's a it's an important aspect of, you know, anything that you're doing. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how important that is to get into traditional media. So um, I want to talk a little bit about how you got into doing uh, this work, right? So we talk on this show all the time about the origin story, right? Every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. So I want to hear that story. Were you bit by an interact, you know, a, a, a radioactive spider that made you want to get into uh, into media or did you start in a job? So I never planned to get into PR. I would just have been a normal, you know, trajectory of middle management and sales for somebody else's company or something. But no, so this all started because when I was in my 20s, my husband and I, Jay Parkinson, we were activists. We had a radio show, college radio, just CIUT. You know. um, it was no longer after a couple of years and 
it was the early days of the internet. We were still, you know, wanted to make a difference. So we were just learning how to make a web page in the early days when it was just kind of Netscape and you didn't have to be an HTML genius to do it. And so we were just kind of collecting links and looking for interesting information and stuff that deserved sharing with our little activist hearts. And um, we, not looking for anything like this, absolutely not. We found this little corner of the internet where we found some information about a guy named Jimmy Dennis who was saying that he was innocent, factually innocent, on death row in Pennsylvania. And again, that was nothing, we've been activists, but nothing to do with criminal justice or certainly the death penalty or anything like that. So now they're like, gee, what, what called us, what made us, you know, reach out or, or respond to that? And I think partly was because we were activists and we were used to, you know, hmm, that sounds terrible. But also we'd been, you know, we've been radio hosts. So we still had that in our mind about information gathering. You know, like, let's see what the story is here. So for some reason, and again, we weren't publicists, we weren't, you know, we literally wrote a letter and he was saying, I'm not looking for a pen pal. I'm not, I'm innocent. I need help. I just, that's this is the only way I paid 20 bucks for this. So, so, so hopefully somebody could hear me and help me. And for some reason, my husband and I thought, oh, well, you know, how innocent can this guy be? I had no idea what drew us to do it. But we wrote a letter, like physically wrote a letter and, and mailed it to death row saying, what's the story here? And this guy named Jimmy Dennis got it in his cell. This is in 1998 when we were, we were 28 and he was 27. And he wrote us back. I, 18, I said 18 the other day, but Jimmy corrected me, it was 28 page letters. So he wrote us back like a 28 page letter written on both sides with all the details and sent some court documents that he had this out. Anyway, long story short, it was galvanizing enough, even just what he said was enough for us to go, wait a minute. That actually doesn't sound right at all. There's like really disturbing. Look deeper into it. Long story short, somebody ended up going, Jim and Tony ended up going to the court um, courthouse spending hundreds of dollars which most prisoners can't access to get the actual court record so we could look through it all without a doubt and, and know what we're dealing with that ended up leading to my husband and myself again 28 year old activists working in sales just to begin a, a, what we now call a campaign but in those days we weren't thinking like publicists it wasn't a campaign it was just activists making noise we started a 20, what ended up being a 20 year campaign lasting. He was there since 1992. We met him in 98. The campaign ended up lasting for 19 years till he was released on evidence of factual innocence finally in 2017 when the courts finally just agreed with us. So that was a 19 year journey. And in that 19 wow. years, I, that's, I literally learned to write a press release in 1998 on AltaVista, the precursor to Google to let the world know about this. My husband wrote to make the webpage and I thought, okay, how do we, hmm, how do we let people know? Literally, we had the internet, right? So I could go to, from the very beginning, go to all the newspapers, websites, find just their main newsroom email, no context, no idea how to do this. But I learned how to write a press release on the Alta Vista for immediate release, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it didn't get much attention stateside because when someone was convicted in those days it was pre all these wrongful conviction shows and there was no real avenue for that the doors were shut that was it but we did get some international attention and amnesty and uh, eventually uh, a small group was formed that ended up being the core of support for eight or nine of us for this man on death row who was past two execution dates who had 51 50 minute phone call a week so he used it to call us because his family didn't have long distance and that we could take care of whatever the family needed. We could call and say, you know, your daughter, this, whatever. So it was a, a long, long journey during which we became family. We ended up starting an organization. Was, we were so disturbed by that case that we ended up starting an organization called the Canadian Coalition Against the Death Family. He's a 28-year-old activist way before PR. And this is not how you would start a PR company, <laughs> you know, normally jumping into like a, 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 a 
this kind of an issue. But yeah. um, but we but the the funny part of it was so while we were you know that that story was progressing, a law firm got involved that was looking for a case of factual innocence. Two years in, they were looking across the country and looked like a unicorn from Washington D.C. looking for. They decided to do a pro bono case, and they were looking for one that was actually factually innocent and deserving of it. Because of the noise we'd made, people kept saying, "Look at the Jimmy Dennis case." So finally, then the law firm had it, and it started to go through the courts, and for 17 years, and ultimately they freed him. But um, while that was going Going on, we ended up. We were so disturbed by that that we looked into further. You know, the, the death penalty in general became an issue for us. And my here's where it goes back to the business story. My messaging that I learned to do, you know, right in that press release, ended up getting us as 28, 29 year old activists with no legal history on CNN, MSNBC, Court TV, A and E. We were in Der Spiegel and the National Enquirer and People magazine and all these major TV where we were interviewed, Abrams Report, Nancy Grace. We were taken seriously on panels with lawyers here again, 29-year-old activists with no legal history. Of course, we were well-spoken. We knew our stuff. But then it, it took me many years before I realized that was when I was 28, 29, 30. It wasn't until I was 41, because all that time I was still doing sales. My day job was just stuff we didn't care about. Then we were doing all this heroic, amazing things, literally, after work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Not even relating to it as, you know, gee, like literally we're on CNN, cover of this, cover that. Okay, now I'm going to my little sales job. You know, so it was like 11 years later when I was 41 that I literally, in, you know, a couple of years before Jimmy was ultimately released. And by the way, he's an R&B artist now. If you Google Jimmy Dennis, he's doing really well being a acclaimed R&B artist, Rolling Stone, BT. So, so that's an amazing story. That's a heroic story in itself. But so about two years before he was released or a couple of years before he was released, it suddenly hit me. Wait a minute. I don't want to do, you know, another 20 calls an hour right now for something I really don't care about. And at that same moment, it hit me, you know what? Huh. <laughs> I could probably monetize like all those skills that I just built up. I would never have wanted to be paid for that death row work or anything, but those skills that I built using a press release, dealing with the media, knowing how to access media, knowing how to, you know, I had literally in the, in the interim, I'd gotten involved with, you know, the political campaign here or social justice, this or that. And every time there was anything that needed to go to media, I'd be like, hey, I'll do a press release. And everyone's like, oh, what now? But I knew how to do that and get media attention. So it wasn't, and then all of a sudden I had a light bulb moment going, hey, I could probably monetize this. Huh, isn't that a publicist? Huh. And that was literally 13 years after I'd been getting CNN, MSNBC, Court TV. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that earlier? <laughs> Because the second I thought of it, I, I'm smart, I'm strategic. I, I probably been in, a, in a New York minute, I never made another phone call for sales. And right away, like literally that hour, I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. And because it's the wonderful age of the internet, we have this box in front of us where we can figure it all out. I was able to, you know, I, literally I got my first client as a freelancer and then got another couple of clients and rocked. It did really well. And all of a sudden I'm hired by Angela Sadler Williamson, who's Rosa Parks cousin, like Rosa Parks, yeah. <laughs> the legendary, you know, civil rights. So, and then I'm getting that. I'm still like stunned that she hires me in Canada for her book and her movie and about Rosa Parks, her cousin. And uh, that went really well. So then all of a sudden I'm in the game and I have the confidence. That's said I'm a publicist now. So we started that I opened a general partnership for five years. And then just during COVID, things have been going increasingly well. Like I guess in 2019, before COVID, I was on literally nine business trips to eight 
eight projects, five countries, four continents. This is a telesales girl, <laughs> you know, a few years ago. Just like, and that, so I couldn't be doing better. I've, I've literally won awards for what I do now. I never went to school for this. I've just figured it out. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's, an, that's an amazing story to to go from pro bono saving someone from death row, like legitimate hero work into <laughs> um, into leveraging that into a, a business where now you're you're helping entrepreneurs you know, get their story out and get their stuff. That's story. Like it's so, you know, like, and also who would start if, again, if you were going to go into publicity, which you'd think, oh, you should probably start with, you're not going to start with death row. Who's going to start with, and then, and also start with death row and building, like if you, if 10, like now if you Google my name, you see 10, literally 9,000 things about PR, literally, right? Because I've been very successful at building my brand. But if you Google my name 10 years ago, you know what you would have found? 5,000 links to Tracy Namori, all about the death penalty. And some of them are still there and some of them are gone because over 20 years, I guess some things drop off the internet or, you know, these links are gone. There used to be 5,000. So I've literally twice, I realized the other day, twice, like literally in 20 years, twice, I have built a global reputation for myself, my name, on two different things, completely different things. So it's really yeah. what's left in there. It's and I'm not magic. I'm just smart and strategic. That's why I do this for a living now. <laughs> you know, I know how to do that. Like it's really, it's not hard. It is, so, but it's so I think that's a really good transition into talking about your superpower, right? So every iconic hero has a superpower. Whether that's a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder or super strength. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which it sounds like you've really found, which is a skill or a set of skills that they either were born with or they developed over time. And it's the superpower that lets them, it allows you to help your people slay their villains, right? And to come out on top in their own journeys. And if you look through all the skills that you've developed over your career, there's probably like a common thread that ties all of your skills together. And that common thread is where your superpower is. So, you know, knowing what you've done over the past 20 years, what do you think your superpower is? Um, I think, I, I think this sounds like all kind of obvious because this is being a publicist, I guess, but I think really communication. And I read in, um, and I, I'm a reader. I read everything cover to cover. That's a superpower too, actually. <laughs> like literally the, the knowledge that you accumulate about just random things like this. Um, but I read in Psychology Today because I read everything cover to cover, that um, communicate that the number one key to success is communicate is the ability to communicate well, more than like in life, more than you know, math, more than and that's the yeah. key to success in everything, in business, in relationships. Oh my kids that all the time. It's true, in literally everything. Because you right, like how to make yourself understood, to make yourself, you know, what does that mean? What is it people like, you know, like like honestly, if you can communicate your intent your thoughts, your feelings, that is literally magic. So I think communication is, you know, the the ability to, words, words are my superpower, I guess. (laughs) And also, um, I mean, you just can't, you know, like you just can't discourage me. (laughs) You know, you can't- Yeah, and I know the the communication skill is such an important thing. And I know like my, my, my kids are really good communicators at this point. Um, and like my, my wife and I are almost anal retentive about like making sure they pronounce words correctly and use good grammar um, and those kind of things. But, and people, you know, we've had people like, why, why are you so insistent that they use their language correctly? And I'm like, and it's, it's because like language is, it's the great superpower of this world. Like if you can learn to communicate 
um, and learn to communicate well and be understood, um, yeah. you can do anything, right? Exactly. And you, know, you, you want to run a business, you want to have a high paying job, you want to be an actor, it matter what you want to do. Communication yeah, is the foundational skill. It's that, you know, and then obviously the part of that is um, is the confidence to be able to do it well too. Like it's all part of, you know, part and parcel. You have to be able to like, just feel completely comfortable walking up to a table of, you know, whoever. And yep. understand that, you know, there's no, there's no reason you should, I'm not saying go in and bother everybody at every table, <laughs> but I'm saying you should, that's not good. But you know what I mean? I'm saying like, you know, an inappropriate, you should not, not feel intimidated <laughs> or like, yes, like, you know, any, doesn't matter who it is. I don't care who it is. You, you know, there's nobody that should intimidate you. There's nobody that should scare you. Hi, I'm Tracy. Right. This is what I do. What do you, you know what I mean? Like, and if you have that attitude, there's no, like, People like that. People are comfortable that from the celebrity to the whatever, you know, like everybody is comfortable when you have that attitude because people want to be treated like, you know, people want to be comfortable and everyone's uncomfortable walking into a room. And usually not everyone, but a lot of people are. Once you realize that, then you go in there and you become the comfort zone. You can be like, yeah. no, I have no reason for that. Hi, everybody. And then you feel like, you know what I mean? Take if you're if you're if you feel less confident walking into a room, take comfort in fact that almost everybody has that feeling. 80% of people, if they walk into a room with people they yeah. don't know, they feel a little nervous, they feel and so what really makes the, the vibe of the room work and what makes everybody comfortable, and you want to make people comfortable, right? Is if you feel comfortable and you go up and go, hey, okay, guys, hey, thanks for coming. Like a little thing like that, then there's a focal point, people are like, okay, what do I do? Like, you know, so when you realize that everybody has that or many people have that it really changes your, your perspective because a lot of people 60 years old they go their entire life feeling nervous but walking in the room second guessing themselves whatever and that really holds you back but just realize most people in the room are feeling that way you're no different they're not looking at you unless you go hey come on and then you're unless you want to be that focal point to help people feel comfortable otherwise you know so just have confidence in yourself and stop second guessing yourself so much it's, it's the big thing in life yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the, the tricks that I have for for that is just understanding that everyone wants to trade stories, right? We're a story-born people. And if you get good at both learning to tell your story and then listening to other people's stories, all the uncomfortableness goes away, right? Because that's all we ever do is we just share stories with each other. <laughs> True, good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so my next question for you then is the flip side of your superpower, which is your fatal flaw, right? And just like every Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something you struggled with. For me, it was a couple of things. Early in my career, it was like perfectionism that kept me from shipping products or, um, you know, my lack of self-care. Early in my career, I, let my, I didn't have good boundaries, so I let my clients walk all over me. Right. So I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to overcome it? So people who are listening to us can uh, maybe learn a little bit from your experience. Yeah, that's still I still struggle with that last part that you said about letting people walk all over you and maybe they don't necessarily mean to. But, you know, I come from an advocacy and activist. Art. I didn't come from like I am a, I am going to business school and I'm trained to do this and I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And that being the writing, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm more business minded than not profit minded you know what i mean like a lot of time like my heart yeah. is that you know someone almost didn't have to eat like you know i'd be willing to drop off zeros and do things i was working for you know really low pay for some people you know or or letting a con 
they, you know, they stopped paying because they can't afford it anymore. And I'd still go on for another two months working for them and getting the media and all that, you know, because they're, I like the project or because they're a nice person and I see a media opportunity and it's good for them. And but then I had to realize, no, if I'm, I, I'm undercutting myself all the time, like it's nice to help people, but if I'm doing that constantly, how much time am I taking out of my day? How much is my own family suffering? How much? And so my business consultant, a friend of mine who became my business consultant, because she saw how amazing I am in my work and how much I'm doing, but the, how the back end was, you know, she's like telling me forever to add zeros and, and give me advice. Like, you know what, you need to start acting like this a couple of years ago, the, the lead, the leader of a company that exists to make money for its, you know, employees and for you and for your family and for whatever, and not just, and not like some hybrid of a charity. Cause like, you're not a charity. If you want to open a charity, open a charity, you know, to help people with their business, but you yeah. are like, providing a business service that literally creates careers. You get someone in good housekeeping that builds their career for a year. Don't stop doing that. Cause you're nice. And yeah. it's true. You know, I it's, had to, it's one of the, uh, the reasons we, we run this show is because there's this cultural misconception that entrepreneurship and profit are villainous activities. Right. And that comes from the storytelling. That. I come from an activist and advocacy. It literally is that like even yeah. though I feel like it's a headspace, even it's a headspace I, I thing. Because I'm speaking to so it's funny now because now that I'm doing all these podcasts and speaking to like I don't know, like I said, 180 podcasts over the last year, mostly business themed entrepreneur. So the audiences and the marketing people, the people that I'm talking to and everything are often the people that 20 year, 25 year old activists, me, would have thought I had no connection with. What if they would just, they're just, like you said, money minded, just there to make a dollar. That's like, that's your motivator. That's whatever. And that was never my motivator. If that was my motivator, I would have been a millionaire at 30 because I was, you know what I mean? Like I would, the stuff that I was accomplishing at 28 was insane. It just wasn't money stuff. My dad said to me at 30, you know, if you, or when I was 28, like if you, if you spend as much time on building a business, when that wasn't even in my thought, I never even thought about building a business. My dad said to me, if you spend as much time building a business as you do with all this, you know, death row stuff, <laughs> you'd be a millionaire yeah. at 30. I remember thinking, you know, he's absolutely right. And I would have been, I'll be a millionaire in a year or two because now I'm on that track, you know, but exactly. I mean, I'm good at what I do, like seriously, but I didn't care. I didn't, that wasn't my motivator then. And it's still yeah. not my motivator now, but I'm learning that it's not, like you said, not a bad thing. And that if that young activist me had got that, my head around that at 30 instead of at 41 to 50, then I would, you know, I would have had more platforms and money to do those things with good work. Of the amazing things that I did without any money, you know, like literally when I think about it now, Oh my God, how was we doing that when we barely had like, you know, we were like barely had stamps. <laughs> hey, we were like any of this 20 year old actor, but obviously now, no, it's a lot different now. But if I had got my head around, Hey, business isn't bad. You don't have to like, why is it good to struggle your whole day for somebody else's profit? Instead of thinking, no, wait a minute, gather some profit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from the, the, you know, the cultural stories we tell ourselves in, particularly in the U.S., right? You can, you know, flip on any of your kids' TV shows. Every one of them, the bad guy is, you know, some variation of the of the uh, business owner pouring oil on the ducks, right, <laughs> um, for profit. Like, and that's that's the yeah. story we uh, we are told. Um, and and yeah, so we grow up with we grow up with this thought. And yeah, I'm we grew up with this thought that profit's negative. 
it's true. And I'm literally noticing that because I'm telling people that, like I've been having that change of thought over the few years. And I'm noticing, huh, I used to think that. That's so crazy. You know, like literally. And now I tell people from that, we're like, no, you guys, you know, you don't get it. Like I, I'm in a whole different world. The last 10 years, I'm in a different world now. And you should meet the people in it. They're not the people you thought they were. Because I tell this story, you know, my origin story about the death penalty to like high, you know, high profile big business people like big, the big money people we thought didn't care about that stuff because they weren't listening to the channels we were listening to or whatever but now i tell that same story to those audiences and there's a huge reaction they're you know galvanized they're impressed they're upset about jimmy that you you know they're all they're share when they interview me then they put the links to him as well under the business podcast so i'm seeing that people care you know it's not a difference you know it's so well, the way people look at each other is so and the way and the way business people look at that, you know, people that don't get that yet too is also wrong. You know, so we all look at each other through these different lenses and we really don't yeah, see it. You know, it's the same thing. I was on a, um, I was interviewed on a business podcast by a woman, the show was called Power at Work. And so it's like, a, you know, business lady, power lady kind of podcast. I didn't know till um, after, like I knew before we recorded it, but she the the her work her day job is a, a police officer i can't remember what her exact title is in la in la actually and um she saw my profile with the you know the advocacy and the anti-death penalty stuff and she thought and especially this with this year of the you know activists versus police and the galvanizing you know she thought well this will be what when would this conversation will be like and so did i kind of and we had a really great conversation about the perceptions that different people in different positions have because of our our personal experiences like when she wakes up every day and and, and felt judged by people you know judging police right and they're uh, you know with all the stuff that happened this year I said, no, I get it. Cause you wake up every day, you put on your uniform, you know, your friend, the two of you are going out there. You don't have any bad intent. You're like, so when people are attacking you, you're like, what? That's not fair. Just the same way from an activist perspective, people are going out, they're feeling like, oh, I didn't have any bad intent. And then the, the police chased me down that thing because we had a demo or whatever. We had a great conversation about how we're all in our own boxes with our own perception based on the people that are directly around us. But we really need to listen to each other and that's for we're back to the communication thing we could solve so many problems if we would do that one thing it's it's every you know everything like forget all this stuff politics every every problem we're people like like two people across from each other and now i find that most people you know with the all galvanizing of this year and this issue and everybody politics whatever else where we see each other now like most people you know before you even open your mouth to know that i'm tracy or that you're richard you're looking at me like Oh, gee, what is she wearing? Is that, does that mean she might disagree with me? I'm looking at the background, what you have there. Does that mean he's, we're looking for points of disagreement before we even communicate, you know? We're trying to like put each other in a box. We can throw bricks at each other. Do I need to throw a brick at him before I find out? When in reality, 90, even if you take the person you're most opposed to, deeply opposed to, even if like, you know, for, for ethical reasons, even, you know, that the person that you can't consider you would have anything in common with, but you put that human being beside you for one second, you stop talking about, you know, even those galvanizing, I mean, even bad things, because they could be, you, you could be judging them like, you know, maybe, you know, a horribly racist person or whatever. You're thinking one thing that's because they're just evil and mean and hateful and want to, you know, well, maybe they're just really scared of something or they have misinformation or, you know, and when you start listening and break down those things, we can reach whatever the problem is and talk to each other. Go, oh, you know, hey, 
Because it turns out when humans do that, we all have 90% more in common with each other than we do apart. Everybody, I don't, like, I don't care who you are. Take the two most opposite people. Again, when you bring it down and stop shouting and talking about stupid stuff, you know, what do you care about? You, you care about waking up that day, you went to the bathroom, you cared about your mom, you cared about, you know, so we talk about those things find the commonalities and then don't ignore the differences and the problems. We need to work out a lot of things. I'm still an activist that thinks we have a lot of problems that need to be, you know, solved together by listening and talking and getting away from this, like, you know, yeah, I don't absolutely. know. It's a big problem. It's crazy. Yeah. The people that it starts with listening for real and caring about the answer, not just like. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your clients, right? So the people that you work with nowadays um, in your career as a publicist um, or, you know, some, you said you elevate and celebrate, right? And I want to talk about your common enemy, right? And the common enemy, right? Every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's a thing they fight, <laughs> have to fight against constantly. And in the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms. But generally, when we're talking about your clients, when, you, when they hire you, it's a mindset or a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome, right? With their understanding of what it is that you do so that you can actually get them results, that, the results that they hired you for. So if you had your magic wand and you could just bop all your new clients on the head and not have to deal with that common enemy anymore, what is that arch nemesis that you're constantly having to fight against in your world? I would say uh, that under, uh, that daily conversation about, no, no, that's really not something we can send to the newsroom, <laughs> you know, that, which comes down to the, back to the editorial versus advertorial. Because as yeah. entrepreneurs, you know, we're used to, we're just trained to talking about our product and what's better than the other and what, or, um, you know, like uh, there'll be opportunities, I'll get an opportunity for a client to be quoted. Like, for example, I had one uh, client's in, um, in uh, the, they have a, my brain's not working, groundbreaking, uh, innovative kind of company in the home um, renovations field, kind of like an Airbnb yeah. kind of influence or, you know, like disruptor kind of thing. And so we're looking for media opportunities in, in construction. And so I saw one, you know, media was looking for somebody expert to quote in blah, 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 whatever kind of renovation people are doing this year. And so I asked my client to give me a quote that I could couch and send it in. And he gave me, basically the answer was, Oh, no, well, this kind of renovation is really hard. Our company, you know, this company, you know, solves that problem and we can do it for you. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not what, again, this is like a Reader's Digest or something article where they're doing an article about home renovation. So they're quoting experts about home renovations. It is not an opportunity for you to say, oh, don't do that. Call my company. You're thinking hugely advertorial there. No, this is an opportunity for you to say, oh, no, when people are doing renovations like bathroom renovations, they should say they should think about where they place the sink, says Bob of Bob's renovations. That's what it should be. Not like, oh, no, Bob's renovations can come put in your sink. <laughs> no. So that's like a constant uh, misunderstanding because clients understand marketing and they understand advertising and they want to talk about their product and they want their product, but they don't understand that. This is a completely different game. We're talking about building you. It's not about your product. It's building you as a, as credibility. Have, so you ever watched that, have you ever watched that TV show, Food Network Star, where they like, it, it, was, it was a number of years ago, but the Food Network used to, um, they did a competition where they brought people in and they taught them how to be TV hosts. And like everything that you're saying right now is like what they taught. So oh, like wow. how do you how to talk to people like it, for that type of like to how to talk that way. Um, and it was, so it was, it was just, it struck me. It was like, Hey, that's what they're, they're you're teaching people how to be stars. Exactly. 
And like I said, with that story with the chef that hired me and literally, you know, a week later, I said, oh, check this out. I just happened to see this. I'm not sure what they are, but this TV production company is looking for chefs, you know. And now literally we got the note yesterday that, oh, the board of directors loves you in New York. The New York distributor wants to see a half an hour mock-up of the show that we're describing. So the TV company is going to, you know, come out and do a, a this literally, this is just a chef. She has no media experience. Now, all of a sudden, the TV company's coming, putting your opportunity stuff. Now, all of a sudden, literally, like, she has a new job. <laughs> it's like 99% sure, a television host job. That's a star. You know, we literally just make, so whatever your expertise is. And it's funny because, you know, you think people think, well, why would I be on TV? How can I be a star? No, think about this. And one of, one of the podcasters I was on made this point. One of the biggest stars in the world right now in terms of the media she gets and the money she makes. I can't remember her name, but it's that woman who is literally, what is her, you know what her job is? Organizing closets. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you don't love it, yeah, there you go. If you don't love it, get rid of it. All that. Literally, she's an expert in what she does. Not a, you'd never think that'd be a media thing, right? She's literally just a really good at what she does. She has her philosophy, whatever she wrote about. Now, when, again, to one of the biggest stars in the world is talking about organizing closets. Right. So it doesn't matter what your expertise is. I don't care if you, you know, clean toilets for a living at the hotel, if you like mow the lawn, if you, you know, seriously, you are an expert in something you have, like, there's with a wise publicist who knows where and when and who and how, where your message will be heard and who cares about it. You could be making $10 million the next year as a closet organizer. She's no longer a closet organizer. Now she's talking. It's like me. I've segued now. I'm still, I'm always going to be doing PR. I'm always going to keep doing some projects. But what I've realized now is suddenly what I've done for myself is build a new income stream and a new brand when I wasn't even trying to. So now I've built a third thing after the CCADP and the Lamori Media, because now this has no name. It's just me and Tracy speaking. But like I said, 180 or probably 200 now podcast appearances, panel appearances, television appearances, talking, not doing PR now, talking to entrepreneurs about how to get PR, why they should get PR and media, how they can use you know publicity to, to uh, build their thought leadership. So now that is literally, if I want to on the other end of COVID now, I could probably stop doing PR 100% and literally just start being a speaker about why, about how, you know, teaching people how to get into media, teaching entrepreneurs why they should be thinking about this, teaching about the difference between editorial versus, and then, so I could literally just start doing stages at a hundred, you know, a thousand dollars a speech and then yeah. go <laughs> and not do the PR. Not take on the contracts. So you know what I mean? Because and that and what I'm saying that for is because we can do that with any expert. Who whatever you do, you know, you like you can we can build you. So my job is to build you as a thought leader, as a star, as a whatever. If you're an entrepreneur, that's so whatever comes out of your mouth later. So it's not up to me to sell your product. I really don't care in terms of my job how many widgets you sell. That's a long-term goal for my client. But my job is to get them the media that gets them the credibility that builds that whatever so that when they open their mouth, they sell widgets. So whatever they do, whether it's the widget selling they're doing today or the job they might want tomorrow or whatever, I build their credibility so that they are, you know, a superstar. Awesome. So I want to talk about the flip side of your common enemy then, right? So if your common enemy is the thing you fight against, right? And you're fighting against um you know that mentality that people want to talk about their widget and not talk about the like how to be a star right not talk about the uh the stories the the driving force is what you fight for right so 
just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, <laughs> you have something to fight for, a mission, so to speak. What is your mission with Lori Media? Um, I would say, if you had to put it into one word, you know, I would say, I mean, obviously, mission is a business. So I got to remember my business consultant said, like the you know, obviously, the business is a business, not a charity. But, but still, it still has the, my common mission. I guess since I was a really little kid, I can't, you know, I, I've always been anti-racist. I've always, you know, fairness, equality, all those things because it's not fair. So, not just racism, but you know, gender equality or like whatever. Why the kid in the kindergarten get? Why they both should have the same half cookie? <laughs> you know, I just think. It, fairness equality justice you know so as much as possible i think that would, what it comes down to is you know whatever word you want to use for that people people you know people caring like i think the bottom line is human beings not not profit is people not profit and at the end of the day i mean everything you can't have profit without people you can't run a business without people you can't do anything without people you know so really to me you know people are the bottom line and that comes from the activist thing that got me into all of this in the first place awesome so with that um so the the mission is essentially to help people get their message out and to get you know their value out to the world um and, and really to elevate that people yeah like elevate and celebrate to, to give people voice to let them be heard yeah that's a good mission too right because it's got a huge ripple effect right it's you know when you help someone they get to help a lot more people um and even if it's selling widgets, those widgets are, they're selling because they're helping someone do something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. Even the widget, like, I, you know, it's like I'm passionate now about the entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? As much as I am about the people with the message, because it comes down to, for me, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a great cause or what. It comes down to the person. If the per, who's my perfect client? It's not what job they're in. It's not what career there's not whether they're creative or whatever it's literally that person like are they you know is are they a good person are they ethical can i stand beside them am i excited about getting the media do i want you know is it do i feel good about giving them another platform and i always want to i won't take on i say no to as many clients as i say yes to you know or maybe not quite as many because most people that come to me are pretty much within you know they they they're there's it's rare that someone comes to me where i'm like huh Ooh, I don't know why you came to me, but they do sometimes. Once in a while, I'll get a project where I'm like, that is so far off, like my whole everything. I don't, I can't understand why. I know I'm a killer publicist, but I really don't understand why you would have thought like I was a publicist for you for that one. I, yeah. No. <laughs> I am way too good yeah. at what I do to help you get that messaging out. How's that? <laughs> so I want to talk about some practical things about how you actually do what you do. Right. Um, and I, I talk I talk about this, you know, the hero's tool belt and it's the practical portion of our show. And just like every superhero has their awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or magical hammers. Um, I want to talk about the top one or two tools you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to something you use for your actual marketing or something you do you use for your product delivery. Anything that you think is absolutely essential to actually elevating and celebrating your clients. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of tools that, you know, and I'll give you some of these people can go and look at themselves without a publicist, a couple of these things that are online that are free tools that I literally couldn't do without They're a great starting point, the what I call the opposite of a press release, press releases when, you know, you have a message and you write it out and you think of where you're going to send it and you send it widely and you want to see who's going to come back with it. Well, the opposite of that is that you may know some of them things like source bottle in Australia or help reporter out Harrow, you know, uh, some entrepreneurs know it most of them don't but if, you, if you've never seen them, go check 
check out Help Reporter out and a caveat, if you don't understand the pit, the art of the pitch, and you don't understand the difference between editorial versus entrepreneurial, you know, editorial, you, you may not get the huge successes that we see with those. But for me, honestly, every single day, I, I've gotten clients, the, the Good Housekeeping, the New Yorker, New York Times, Oprah.com, the, the list, every, the list goes on with major media. I've gotten clients using those free sources. And what those are, listener, is anybody can go three times a day. Um, actually, I have it right in front of me right now. You'll see reporters from any, you know, everything you can think of, from Reader's Digest, just insider, those things I mentioned. Things like, you know, with a deadline of 7 p.m. at the 13th of May in front of me here. I'm looking for a registered dietitian well-versed in sports nutrition to interview for an article. Next one, I'm looking for an entrepreneur who can talk about their action in COVID. So anyway, there's literally all around the world, there's major media looking every day using these free things for sources. And they may get five answers, they may get 500. That's where it's about the pitch and and all that stuff. But there, these are basically opportunities that you can be inserted into ex articles that are going to already come out. You're not giving them the idea. This is not going to be a big article about you or your company. It's an article about something else where they quote you as the expert. And that's gold. I mean, I've gotten my clients, like I said, in Oprah.com, one hairstylist client, one client, uh, 26 years old, old life coach who had zero media. Day after she hired me, I got her in Good Housekeeping magazine. Article didn't come out for a few months, but print issue of Good Housekeeping magazine, 150 year old magazine, classic magazine. That was her, like, she had literally no media. That was her first thing out of the gate. And then we built a year for the last year and a half, we built her career on that. She's got a million other media. She's got all kinds of, based on the fact that she was interviewed in this major Good Housekeeping article about her expertise. So it can be just that quick, you know, one thing. But then you got to know how to build on it and elevate it and put it on your site and add it to your bio. And, you know, otherwise it's just gone that day. But yeah, that's so it's hugely, yeah. hugely valuable. I know I've, I I get stuff from Haro and, um, and the other one uh, all the time. And I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, well, they're super cool, but I don't really know how to, like, what I'm supposed to respond with. <laughs> I really so. think, you know, the paragraph, the paragraph, what they want is to know what your angle is. So with Harrow, either they're, sometimes they're taking what you actually send, inserting it actually in their article. Other times they just want to know what you would be saying if they interviewed you, right? So don't overthink them. Just literally write, like, you know, give a paragraph or two, say, you know, will to answer more questions, whatever. And then it's all about the way you frame it. So the way I do it, I'm always like, hey, here's a compelling response from my client or insightful response from my client, blah, 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 blah. And then I have the quote, then I say, you know, please let me know if you um, if you use this so that we can share widely. And then then the little bio, which is like a little paragraph you know, why you're a good source. And then any other media you've got, if you haven't got any media yet, don't worry about it. You're going to get it from doing this stuff enough, you know? And so just your best little pitch about why you're, you know, Richard is a compelling, Richard speaks daily to entrepreneurs across North America, you know? So he has a really good insight into what the entrepreneur of today is thinking. You know what I mean? Like something like that. And then your answer. So your answer and then frame by why you're the guy. And you just do it widely, do it quick. And, you know, people overthink the hero a lot. The thing is, you got to realize they're not going to go back and rewrite their article because you send them a good answer. So even though the deadline says two days from now, do it quick, do it now, because they're trying to write an article. And if they get everything they need to write the article, they're going to go ahead and write it. And they're not going to go back and say, oh, well, I did say midnight. I want to make sure everybody gets an answer to reply. They don't care. They're just trying to get their answers. You know, so you got to get it. You see it, answer it, nah, forget about it. Next. Now, now, my uh, um, 
my podcast, uh, the head of my podcast, uh, Mark, who's going to be listening to this episode. Make sure you pay attention to everything she just said, because he gets all of my source bottle and horror requests. We need to like script all the things she just said and have those responses ready for it. Maybe you can start using them. It takes time, right? Like I know, like I spent a good hour and a half every day going through the Harrow because I got to make sure for all my clients, but it's worth it. It's worth it. You get one of those, you know, one really good one, boom. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now, back to the Hero Show. So what I want to talk about next then is your own personal heroes. Right, so every hero has their mentors, just like Frodo had Gandalf, or Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, or Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, speakers, authors, maybe peers who are a couple years ahead of you? And how important have they been to what you've accomplished so far in growing Laurie Media? Yeah, so other than the obvious, which are my parents, which instilled in me that you can't, you know, like, kick ass and don't take it, you know, other than my parents, number one. But you know what? John Lennon. Okay. In 1980, I was 10 years old, so I'm not a 60s girl. I was like 10 when he died. But he was, you know, probably my biggest single um, single influence on my life, probably, in terms of activism and advocacy. Because I remember when, ten, if you're going to have a hero, you know, when you're a kid and you listen to what your heroes say, if you're going to have a hero, he was a pretty good one because he was his message was do it yourself. Don't just have, you know, hey, yeah, there was the peace and the activism and all that stuff. So there was the advocacy speak out part. But he also said, you know, don't follow heroes. Don't don't just follow us blindly. If you like what we're doing, awesome, do it. But if you have an idea, do it and maybe we'll follow you. I think yeah. I listened. Like, honestly, it gets that internalized, right? That's a power message. And when you're a kid, again, you listen, you know, when you actually care. I remember like, you know, you're an idiot kid. I remember buying the kind of cigarettes John Lennon smoked. <laughs> I, luckily I you know got rid of that but I think that the other one a message I internalized which is you know do shit <laughs> do things absolutely that's a, that's a good message to take from your heroes too is to get out and actually do work yeah. so um now what I want to talk about I'm um, sort of like to finish off the interview is your guiding principles right so one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up, I'm going to talk about top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life and help grow your business. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first started out on your own hero's journey. 
Uh, things I wish I'd known. Say that again when I grew my business. So your your gui- guiding principles, things that you always you that you run your business by. Um. Yeah. I guess you know it always comes down to that message. You know, who, who, like what are we putting out in the world? You know, like again, because I I started this. I learned. I literally learned how to write a press release to help save someone's life. That's why I learned how to. I would not have learned how to write a press release okay. other than that. You know, so I feel like I, this whole journey that I've been on, I've been on, like, I, I feel like I never should have been able to live this life. This is not, I didn't go to school for this. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, like, how am I going, how am I doing, like, seriously, internet, 10 VIP trips around the world, these parties, these, this is not the world that I would ever should have expected to build a career in. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like fantasy land. And when you think it, it literally happened, it literally happened because I was helping somebody that nobody cared about anymore a lot of people cared about him i don't mean that person but i mean the world was saying we can kill this person he's garbage doesn't matter nobody cares he had two execution dates actual execution dates it wasn't a joke 25 years in the worst of human circumstances that we can do to each other and it was you know i don't even know that person and somehow something drew me to that you know obviously we were meant to do that <laughs> for whatever reason and the result is like this like it's crazy it's hollywood you know what i mean like you would never have believed it <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's definitely it yeah you put on a lot and continue um, to like you know use this I, to tell, do- I tell people all the time that the uh um the you know if you if you read the bible at all there's the whole sermon on the mount where jesus talks about you know what you do is first you give and then you receive and people think that that's like a an admonishment that this is what you should do, um, and people don't realize that that's not what that was. It's a hey, this is how the universe operates. <laughs> that what you put into the world comes back to you, right? It's just it's the the laws of the land, so to speak. Um, you know, whether or not you believe Jesus or the Bible or whatever, it's a that's a it's a truism that you know when you five years ago when I said well why would you do this for me about you know getting us into this house that we own and everything the circumstance and the person literally and I barely knew him he literally said sometimes when you do good things good things happen and I was like because it was a crazy good thing like you know you, again yeah but maybe that is what it is you know and, the universe. About, and you think about it too like I was never a particularly a believer right but listen <laughs> Do you know how many people, it wasn't just Jimmy Dennis, it was a lot of other people that we ended up helping that were on death row. Some some of them were, and a couple that were innocent and ended up being released, but other people that were human beings. And I don't know what they did, whatever or not, but, but people who may or may not have done things or whatever, but you know they found their way and they're living and they're praying and whatever. Do you know, someone said to me once, do you know in 20 years, how many people prayed for you guys and thanked God for you guys? I never thought about that. Like, honestly, you know what I mean? Like, whether it was, I'm not to judge, whether it was a death row prisoner or their mom or their whatever, or like, oh, that gives me chills. Like, Do you know how many people like you affected that literally prayed for you, that prayed for you to be blessed, that prayed for you to be, maybe we were, <laughs> you know? I think what's it now? Like, how do we all, so many people said, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Maybe he did, <laughs> yeah. you know? I think about that now, like, whoa. I think that is a, a great place to put a wrap on the interview. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. But I do finish every interview with a simple challenge that I call the Heroes Challenge. Um, and really, this is 
just a selfish little thing I do to help me find stories I might not find otherwise. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? First person oh, that comes to mind for you. Do I have someone like that? Oh my. Yeah. I'm a publicist. I deal with all kinds of them. <laughs> Try to stop. So first, first one that comes to your mind. First one that came to mind, I'll tell you, is Christina. And I got, and that not, and friends, listeners, not because all your stories aren't, I got a million of them. But, but just when you said that, you know, Christina came to my mind, maybe because I've written about her recently or what. But Christina Shea, and she is twice widowed, you know, burnt out in corporate life hugely successful in corporate life burned out to the point where she like passed out in a uh like in financial district you know like brain yeah. tumor overwhelmed you know anyway now the long story short she's built up a whole a new company now called blue skies life which is about you know finding your blue skies life getting over so it's a holistic health and um wellness company that she speaks it's got products all but mostly it's her story you know her and oh my god her story part of it is actually her story trademark and it's a her story meaning her and she wants women to share their stories share their successful stories and life stories so christina shea and blue skies life when you said that was literally the first one that came to my mind but I've got, you know, a ton of others too that are all well, we'll see if we can reach out to you afterwards and maybe get Christina to come onto the show. Maybe she'll do it, maybe she won't, but we always try to um, get people to come on the show. Oh, yeah. So I'll definitely invite the show. In comic books, there's always the crowd of people who are um, cheering on the acts of heroism of the uh, the comic book hero. So as we wrap up our analogous to that, I want to know where can people find you if they're looking to hire a publicist in their business? And second, who are the right types of people to reach out and actually hire a publicist for their business? So people, yeah, I work internationally. So people can, anybody with in an English-speaking world who wants media in the English-speaking world can reach out to me. Um, and they can find me at lamoriemedia.com at... Uh, Tracy Lamori, L-A-M-O-U-R-I-E on Facebook, on Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media, and LinkedIn is also a great place to connect. In terms of who, um, literally, as long as you're an ethical person, you know, with good intent, then, you know, doing good things, and the good things can be, you know, whatever, you're, you're, you have a great entrepreneur, business idea, an entrepreneur idea, you're a creative doing amazing things, you're an author, a speaker, so really there's no particular person, anybody who has, you know, you everyone has a voice, and if you want to raise that voice, you have a message, whether it's a business message or an inspiring personal message or a story you have to tell, whatever it is, there's Pat, there's a lot of you know opportunity to tell it. So you can reach me at all those places and I'm happy to do a 30 minute you know free consult with no obligation, of course, where we can just talk about what you might expect. Yeah. So as long as you're not like literally pouring oil on ducks for money, um, we'll, uh, <laughs> it's probably a good I, mean, like, I have to like you, like, I have to feel like, you know, if I, if I, if I, if I hear, if I feel like, mm, oh yeah. Okay. Generally I don't take it on because I think it ethically, you want to have a passionate publicist who really feels your thing and really cares. And then I'm going to understand who the audience is. So if it's like, oh, I don't really get it. I might just refer you to someone else, but chances are, you know, if you're enthusiastic about it and it's a good thing, you're going to get me excited about it. And we're going you know find ways to do it so awesome so thank you so much for coming on today tracy it's been a pleasure hearing your story um and just hearing your enthusiasm for what you do so thank you again thank you for coming on do you have any final words of wisdom for the audience before i hit the stop record button I always end with uh, two things. I quote Jimmy Dennis, which is never, never give up. Because when a man, you know, 25 years on death row tells you that, like, honestly, never, never give up. Because whatever you're facing, 
you can beat it. You really can. Because if he could do that, we could get him out when everyone said it was crazy. You know, you can't. And then even he, you know, gets a little depressed sometime or whatever. It's rough. And so I quote something I saw on the interwebs, which was, um, we didn't get this far to only get this far. So for him, I say his story's not over till he gets the Grammy and because he's an R&B artist. But for, you know, the, for us, whether you're doing really well and, you, you know, just keep on going because there's more to it. You've got a goal. You can keep on hitting those goals no matter how high they are. But also more importantly to that person who, you know, wanted to jump off a bridge. I'd like to end this way. Who, who is depressed or overwhelmed right now because it's been a rough year. If things aren't going your way and you feel like you're not winning, you know, you really are. You're a winner because you you, you made it this far. Everybody has challenges and all that assholes excuse my language that you know beat you down or whatever it is in life you got through it and you kept on standing and you're still here so you won so don't not win you know don't like you can't fall today you can't drop today because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and you want to be here for it absolutely thank you so much for coming on today tracy really appreciate it thank you richard it was really really fun and really worthwhile <laughs>